Well, good afternoon. Um, I haven't been around in a little bit. Uh, see, uh, when I finished um, Ulysses, James Joyce, um, I didn't go right to finish Finnegan's Wake because I was looking at the connection between Jung and Joyce, uh, and obviously Nietzsche as well. Uh, that led me to read uh, Carl Jung's uh, Ion, Aeon, The Phenomenology of the Self, and I'm currently most of the way through his Red Book. Uh, and as I've mentioned before, I came a weird way to Jung. Um, I've always been a fan of Nietzsche. I really don't know how I came across uh, Dospek Zarathustra. Um, but it's been with me ever since I was a, a teenager. And I've read it since. Buddhism, around about the same time. I personally think it is the affinity, right? Uh, I made a joke uh, a while back about uh, there's a, a book that I was reading and I shared uh, the ironic affinities between um, Buddhism and uh, nihilism or something like that. It's just these, uh, not ironic affinities, but um, pretty obvious affinities between Nietzsche and Jung and the Upanishads, the Indian thought, Buddhism. Um, as you start to study these, I mean, the Red Book, I, like I said, I'm most of the way through, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through, endlessly mentioning Nietzsche and Zarathustra, uh, darn near as much as Christ even, which is funny. But that's what I've been working on, uh, Carl Jung's, uh, his Red Book. His Red Book uh, was something he prepared uh, out of his notebooks, I believe out of his black notebooks. So these were his active imagination exercises. So he allowed himself to imagine, allowed himself... Um, I guess he removed his limits on his imagination and his and his uh, thoughts. And he said, I don't know how many times, uh, it would be in my notes here, but he said he found that uh, the act of imagination itself was what allowed him uh, to access uh, the collective unconscious. Uh, I argue it's simply mindfulness. It's a, a practice, and I'm going to get to that today. Um, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because, talk about ironic affinities, because as I said, I came to this in a backwards way. So I don't really remember how I came across uh, Nietzsche's Zarathustra, fell in love with it. I believe it was um, because I found a double book. It was Genealogy and Morals and... I can't quite remember, but it was two Nietzsche books in one. I got it super cheap because the spine was broken. Um, and I loved it so much that I believe I went out and I actually purchased, I believe this uh, Penguin Classics version I have of uh, Zarathustra was brand spanking new when I got it because it has a price tag of six ninety five on it, which would have been about, uh, about right for the time in Canada, little pocketbooks. And at the same time, I've mentioned this before, I, I found um, a discount edition of the I Ching, 
the Chinese Book of Change. It was the Legge edition with all of the different appendices. Wonderful find. Uh, and it took me many years to really understand it because I was reading it as a regular book at first and then I started to learn. And it wasn't until I developed my own way of accessing the I Ching. Uh, I was thinking about that this morning. I've developed my own way to access. Uh, so I use the coin method, but it's a modified coin method that matches the probability of the original Yarrow sticks of the Chinese Book of Change, the Yijing. This is commonly known as an oracle, but I have always agreed, which is why I have an affinity for Jung, I've always agreed in the way that Jung explained uh, what the Yijing was and how he used it, why he used it, and why he thought it was so beneficial. Jung accessed his intuition, his subconscious, his imagination. Arguably, his act of imagination was, um, what would you call it, um, encouraged by, uh, by the Yi Jing. He also used uh, mandalas, doodling, right, uh, as a way to access this sort of stuff. Right, so for me, I came to it in a backwards way, as as uh, Carl Jung said. He said he he found his soul uh, in the East. For me, I don't know if I go so far as to say that, but um, I went East to find my way back home in the West. Right, so studying Nietzsche, which profoundly influenced Jung, studying the Jing, profoundly influenced Jung. So it was for that reason that I found this affinity for Jung and started reading about his stuff. And if you've listened to my podcast, you know well that I'm a big fan of Modern Man in Search of a Soul. Um, there's a book that I'm currently trying to find. It was uh, It's selections from his letters. Uh, so the amount of stuff that Jung wrote is just it's mind-boggling. So obviously... I've endeavored to read as much as I can, but that's going to be near impossible to get through everything, especially since it's much, uh, it's pretty important to me that I get them in audiobooks because um, it takes me much less time uh, with the audiobook. But that's neither here nor there because today, again, reading uh, Carl Jung's The Red Book, uh, the amount of information that I've been able to to access, uh, essentially proving my my theory here that um, Jung's philosophy is uh, was well, found in Nietzsche's philosophy, is found in uh, the Indian philosophy. So it makes sense how I've been talking about this idea of uh, the philosopher's patient. So it's not just me that is Nietzsche's patient, the philosopher's patient, but it seems as though that Nietzsche also had Jung as a patient. Because as you read through his, his notebooks, his letters, particularly this red book, he never ceases to mention how important Nietzsche was to him. One really big one uh, is when he was criticizing Nietzsche. And the reason why he was criticizing Nietzsche at the time was because he felt that he was expecting someone of special character. And just like Nietzsche's criticism of Buddhism, Jung gives the very similar criticism 
of Nietzsche's philosophy, this idea that he was expecting too much. He was expecting that there could be more than just the odd few who could live for others. Or in, in Jung's case, what he was talking about here was someone who is willing to live for themselves, to, to understand what is tradition, what is uh, expectation, what doesn't work for them, doesn't work for the time, or might not work for the future. He was arguing, Jung was arguing, that Nietzsche expected this to be somebody special who was standing out from the crowd, yada, yada, yada. But he was wrong, because... In the Red Book, uh, Carl Jung mentions Nietzsche's idea of the transvaluation of all values. He actually says it verbatim. So if you understand the transvaluation of all values, then you understand that Nietzsche wasn't expecting someone to be uh, unique, uh, rare in that sense. Uh, what he was expecting, which is rare, but it doesn't have to be uncommon, is this idea of becoming an individual, truly authentic, to uh, carve for yourself your own table of values. That's the transvaluation of all values. And Jung understood this because the heart of Jung's philosophy, I've mentioned this before, right, the happy uh, fiction and finding the meaning that quickens, but part of this has to do uh, with uh, individuation. So, becoming yourself. A big part of this is truly acting um, because of, uh, what would you call it? Um, being an agent requires that uh, this be done. Hold on. All right, sorry about that. Don't know where I got this red ink from, but... So long story short, uh, Jung understands how important this individuation is uh, to be oneself, to be an agent. Uh, I've mentioned this before, terribly important when it comes to healing and health. You have to be your own agent in healing because otherwise you feel like a victim and being a victim destroys your immune system and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you feel like you're a victim of your disease, you'll end up being a victim of your disease. If you feel like you're um, your own agent, uh, then you will stand up for yourself. And, uh, you know, it's just the way it works. So for me, it's funny because, again, I'm, I'm reading all these books to see, to document this, this to me, a clear connection between uh, Nietzsche, the Upanishads, uh, essentially what blossomed into Buddhism, the Indian philosophy, uh, how it influenced Nietzsche, uh, Emerson, Whitman, uh, and more, but most importantly for Jung, because I've been talking about trauma, transference, so there's an important aspect that I don't talk a lot about because I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at, which is religion, which is meaning, Faith, trust, especially in in, uh, in doubt. For me, that's a pretty clear understanding. And and I have been reading uh, Jung for quite a while, so I've never understood why so many people think he's like a closet theist. Um, 
For me, it's pretty clear that Young, he may or may not be, but what he's talking about is religion isn't an affect that we can eliminate from our human experience. Religion is just something that it's one form of the nature of our experience. It expresses itself. So when you break down religion, it's difficult. It really is because I ran into this because I was a weird a weird one in it when it comes uh, to particularly in the Asian Buddhist circles because I'm most definitely not Asian, yet I am not jaded by my Western religion because I'm one of those people that Nietzsche was hoping for that, that would would decide for themselves what their values were. So I'm not jaded by the Western idea of religion and all this jazz. So I understood the Buddhist perspective. Uh, and this is why I say I came to this um, understanding in a reverse way from, from where a lot of these other individuals, Nietzsche and, and Jung, uh, Emerson, Whitman, Jeez, you name it, uh, Spinoza and uh, Schopenhauer. This idea that, um, as Jung talks about, that uh, the Christ ideal in Christianity is just uh, essentially an archetype, right? You can look at, uh, Nietzsche went back to Zarathustra or Zoroastrianism to understand um, that our need to believe to trust. Uh, it's not something that developed over time that we can just, you know, we've, we've grown beyond. In fact, Jung warned us that we would get to the point where we're at now, where um, rather than suffering uh, spiritually at the hands of the flesh, now we're suffering, uh, the flesh is suffering because of the lack of, of this spiritual connection. This idea that um, it's, it's a mandatory part of our experience. And what do I mean by that? I have really been strongly uh, pushing uh, this idea that uh, Jung got a lot of his ideas from Nietzsche. And of course, Nietzsche is ideas from from uh, from India, from the Upanishads, from the Rig Veda, from uh, the Bhagavad Gita. It depends on um, on what you're looking at here. But as I said, I do an I Ching reading uh, every day. I I do it to access uh, my intuition, right? My own um, my own insight, uh, active imagination, if you want to call it that as, as uh, Jung would call it. So today I actually had um, a hexagram that was transforming. It had one moving line. Very clearly it was transforming from one hexagram to another. The hexagram that it was transforming into is number 15. It's uh, Kian. Uh, not to be confused with the very first uh, in the King Wen um, sequence of the I Ching. <clears throat> the first being Kian, heaven. This one is humbleness, right? Because, as it says, 
with humbleness, always a bring harvest, a great harvest does it bring, right? And it mentions, in my preferred translation, obviously, but most of the translations, it mentions that both Lao Tzu and Confu, so Confucius and Lao Tzu, both learned a great deal from this Gua. The translations themselves um, and the commentaries speak to what Nietzsche learned. And in here, oh, let me just grab it. And in this particular case, uh, they put a little quote as to what Lao Tzu actually learned from the Tao Te Ching. So he says, I have three treasures that I guard and hold dear. The first is love, the second is contentment, the third is humbleness. Only the loving are courageous, only the content are magnanimous, and only the humble are capable of commanding. I really love this because in this we see the cycle that you saw in James Joyce's Ulysses and Finnegan's Wake. We see uh, the, the yin and the yang, uh, the Shem uh, and Sean, uh, the good and evil of, uh, of uh, Nietzsche. It goes from seeking harmony 13 to great harvest 14 and going on to humbleness 15. These are the three, the three treasures and by living with these treasures, the outcome is 16, delight. Right? So, it, uh, it's a sense of lacking pride and self-importance. That's the humility. This is equanimous, uh, equanimity, upeksha. Right? So the symbol is one of speaking usually represents contention in the, or, or conflict. In this case, speaking to conflict. The second character uh, refers to equally dividing. This is the middle way that Jung keeps talking about in his Red Book. It is the middle way or the Madhyamaka in Sanskrit. Buddhism and uh, philosophy. It's the golden mean or the central path in the I Ching, which is to decrease what is excessive and to increase what is scarce. Right? So the act of weighing things and making them balance is expressed and manifested in one's daily life. It's actually a quote from Jung in his Red Book. And that could be the definition of the Tao, the definition of the golden mean or the central path. It's also the definition of Satisampajana, which is um, mindfulness, as we often translate it. But what it means is to bring these simple truths of humbleness, straightforwardness, not being uh, self-centered, right? This idea of... Um, lacking pride and self-importance that reduces our suffering and allows us to truly be present and appreciate all of life's daily activities. That's sati sampajanya. We go on, and I'm actually uh, quoting from uh, Thus Spake Zarathustra, The Thousand and One Goals, where he says, Man 
implanted values into things to maintain himself. He created meaning to things, a human meaning. Therefore, he calls himself the valuator. Valuation is creation. In German, that is Schatzen ist Schaufen. Love that. Valuing is creating. I mean, art is a great example of this, right? So hard to tell somebody else what is art because the value, the meaning, that that's resident in you. Right? And so that's all I wanted to share. You can see in one hexagram of the Yi Jing where all of these philosophies could flow from, I guess I'd say. <laughs> but I just found it funny that um, as I'm reading the Red Book, uh, Carl Jung's Red Book, which is, uh, you know, his philosophy, this idea of how to heal this modern malaise that we're all suffering from. And for him, it's meaning, right? And uh, uh, John Verveke, um, Jonathan Paggio, and uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, oh, geez, I can't, Shinzen Young. There's just a, a giant list of individuals who feel the same that we're in a situation where we have um, a modern malaise, but are they sharing sufficiency, as I often say? Are they looking to help people, or are they looking to sell books and to gain a following? Because as I've said before, There'd be nothing more boring than a Buddhist uh, teaching Buddhism without ego. Because it would take all of a few minutes, uh, and the remainder of the time will be just us discussing how difficult such a simple, simple thing can be. Right, so on that, I guess I'll just leave you with, uh, that's what Sati Sampajana is. That's what... Uh, Oh, young, he calls it, well, he says an adept must unlearn reason, right? No correct truth, no single correct truth. It's all about a unity of opposites, right? He talks about magic, right? Um... Oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of notes today, actually, now that I think of it. But, yeah, he goes back to what I go back to, uh, this idea of Gnosticism, this personal approach to, to your deity, to God, to meaning, uh, has been lost. And, and that's the problem, right? Once we get back to uh, a direct connection to divinity, to providence, right, which is where it needs to be. Once we achieve that, I guess the rest starts to fall into place. According to Jung, right, he talks about this dark solitude. And, and I wonder if, again, relates to the dark night of the soul with St. John. Right? He says we have to practice solitude uh, right, and seriousness, not childish pursuits. He talks about an old gray man in his visions and for me, that resonates because um, one of my uh, aliases, my alter ego, 
is uh, is something called the Fearless Moor. Uh, it's a Gaelic, uh, a Gaelic idea. This um, of an old gray man, a, a man in the hills, right? Not uh, unlike um, Jung's idea of water and the river, right? An old gray man can be wise, he can be your guide, but he can also be scary and dangerous. Just as Jung says in the Red Book, how water, right, it can heal and it can kill, it's evil and scary, like the snake, like the river, right? A unity of opposites. So for me, I found that funny. And one last little quote. I've said this for a long time, right? You never want to uh, meet your idols. It's in his Red Book. Carl Jung actually mentions that to kill your idols, to go one step further, right? I said, don't, don't look at your idols, right? Because you'll be disappointed. He goes one step further and he says, you need to kill your idols, which is so true. We talked about this. I mean, I actually got this from a fairly simple book, uh, Austin Kleon, this idea that to truly to truly transvalue all values, uh, one must how can I put this? All right, so I'll give you an example. Um, doodling is not easy if you've never done it before. So for me, what I've gone and done is shortcut to uh, to mandala doodling, as Carl Jung did, is I've taken uh, some. Um, adult coloring books and I've taken out some that are fairly complicated just black and white and so what I'm doing is I'm I'm actually tracing I'm tracing the lines which has some artistic uh, you know fluidity to it as well but it's a, just it, it's not simply about creation it's also about being present because keep in mind you are always creating obviously. But the difference is presence. So you don't have to be creating the Mona Lisa. But if you are creating the Mona Lisa and you're not present and aware, then it's a waste of time. So even if you're just drawing circles, as what Jung would do, and one of my first, before I even started reading the Red Book, one of the first things I was doing was concentric circles while well, I, I studied some of this stuff and, and, and gave it some thought and produced these mandalas. I just called it doodling. Carl Jung considers, considers it spiritual. But that's only because he also felt that there was no separation between... Um, Like the, the regular and the divine. Right? And it it makes sense because he said we need not be afraid of madness or of solitude. These things that tend to uh, to have uh, negative energy attached to it or, or we're a little bit nervous. And he says greatness requires greatness. There's no avoidance. You must go your own way. That's why I said that dark solitude. Right? Those of us that are compelled to solitude, I think it's a dark solitude, like the dark night of the soul, that we must practice 
this solitude, right? Because we're desirous of knowledge, right? Because he talked about men who have an understanding should not only believe, but they should wrestle for knowledge to the best of their ability. I've talked about this before, that some of the greatest forecasters, which is the hardest thing for humans to do, but some of the greatest forecasters are those with the strong sense of doubt, particularly in their own theories. Right. So even if you're sure, or pretty sure, that you're on the right track, or even if you think you've you've solved all of the the uh, the questions, uh, the answers. Even then, maybe we weren't asking the right questions. Maybe we were wrong all along. Maybe there's something more to be to be gleaned. Right. That's why he felt uh, this arguably childish pursuit of the active imagination was not wasted effort and was serious. But what he really means by serious and not childish pursuits is, is this idea of reverence, valuing. Anything you do can bring you the same benefit as long as intention is present. So, just a reminder, there is no end to these paths, to the uh, doorway to entry, to awareness. But it's you who must tread that path. So only you can come to know thyself.